since the dawn of time, fairy tales have been a part of human history, culture, and religion. Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, Cinderella, Bigfoot. Some fairy tales are harmless. Others are more sinister. But there are four things all fairy tales have in common. Number one, they are used to influence and shape opinions and manipulate thoughts. And number two, they're good for business. Third, they usually tap into fear, uncertainty, and sometimes hope. And finally, fairy tales are not real. Welcome to Bigfoot Logic, a podcast where we highlight a brand new breed of fairy tales. Fairy tales that you can find not in a Disney movie, but on CNN, Fox News, and other for-profit news publications. Fairy tales created by politicians, companies, and shared across social media platforms. Fairy tales are created by big business for big business. For people in power that want to stay there. Join us, fellow logisticians, as we seek to expose fairy tales, myths, legends, and lies in the news of today. We'll talk about the facts and influences, people and power brokers, and connect some dots so you'll see who's connected to who and what. Now the news of the day benefits and serves corporate greed, political will, and personal agendas. The facts you need to make informed, logical decisions. Bigfoot logic is everywhere. Let us be your guides. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the next episode, or I guess this episode of Bigfoot Logic, where Abel and I walk through some of the things happening in our world and try to pair it back and look at the different motivations and drivers and realities so that you can make decisions on your own. So what are we talking about today? Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about cancel culture. Have you heard about cancel culture? Heard's the key word there. And we're talking about herd without the A. That's a little bit of a pun there. Oh, it's not a little bit of a pun. It's a flat out pun. It's herd <laughs> as in hearing and herd as in herd of animals or herd of people. Is there is a group of people called a herd? I don't know. Is it but I think uh, a lot of times we exhibit herd mentality for sure. And I think cancel culture is a great example of that. Yeah, I know. Geese are a gaggle and a murder is crows. I don't, know what, I, don't, what is, I don't know what a group of humans is. What is a group of Bigfoots called? Mm. That's another interesting Stampede. one. Stampede. Stampede. Rumble. It's a rumble of Bigfoots. A blur. A, a blur. blur of Bigfoots. A blur. Yeah, there you go. So everyone's heard about cancel culture because cancel culture became a very popular thing. I will, we're going to start this episode out by saying that the uh, there's an editor from the Washington Post and another one from Fox News, and it was written about by Jack Holmes Esquire, but they've decided the way, or they've written that the way to solve the Putin problem with the Ukraine is you cancel him, right? He's saying, right. we're witnessing the first geopolitical cancellation of the 21st century, said Washington Post's Jason Willett. Monica Crowley, once of the Trump Treasury Department, offered that Russia is being canceled and cited the sweeping international sanctions levied against its economy, its rejection from an international sporting competition and the Ukrainian military resistance. So I'm pretty sure that sanctions have been leveled against almost every country. I think this is an opportunistic trying to be clever and get yourself quoted tie into a, a trend of cancel culture. I would say Putin doesn't care. I would say the ones that are getting canceled are the, and I'm not sure they're actually getting canceled, but all the, and I can never say this word, but the Ogliarchs, how do you say it? Oligarchs. Oligarchs. Thank you. Oligarchs. We'll fix that in the post. No, we won't want to fix anything in the post. <laughs> the oligarchs um, are the ones getting the pressure. Putin doesn't care. 
You don't think he, he, he's checking his Twitter feed and, and I don't think checking his followers. I don't think he is. I don't think he is. I think, I think he's after the, the gas, the oil and the neon. Did you know that the Ukraine is the number one producer in the world of the rare earth metal neon? No, I didn't. Every, what is, do we still use neon? Now? No, it's in every it chipset. It's LED. It's in every uh, chipset. Interesting. I found that out at dinner uh, last weekend. I did not know either. So anyway, we're talking today about cancel culture and how cancel culture often taps into big foot logic. Um, and, and maybe it's big foot logic as, you know, as we talked about in terms of the herd mentality is people just blindly buying into what someone's telling them without telling them, finding why. Right. And, and in that article, that Esquire article that, that you mentioned to start off with, the Willick is, is quoted as saying that it's, quote, righteous to cancel uh, Russia and Putin. And I think that's the way a lot of this cancel culture movement starts is people are feeling righteous and they want to get back at someone for some perceived wrong. Um, but to your point, where does, where does logic and common sense come in and where does, where does it tip the scale leaning towards a herd mentality? Well, it's also, you know, to, to post something on Instagram, to post something, yeah, it's informational, but you have to actually be involved, right? There are things you can do to help the people in Ukraine. You can, you can do, it's not, there are things you can do to protest Russia that are not meaningless. And, and you know, there's a couple of meaningless examples we were talking about earlier. So the owner of the um, Soli Vodka is, Stolyevich Vodka is its full name, is actually changing its name to Stoli Vodka. And we'll have more on this on a, uh, a Ukraine episode, but he's changed the name in protest. Of course, less than 1% of Vodka is made from Russia, so doesn't mean anything. Right. Well, an- another interesting example along those lines, I-, I live in the great state of New Hampshire, and about a week ago, our, our governor, Sununu, announced that you know to stand up to Ukraine, um, the liquor s- where you buy liquor in New Hampshire is all state-run liquor stores, so the state sells you your hard alcohol. You can get beer and wine in a grocery store, but if you want anything above you know 20 proof, you have to go to the state-run liquor store. Um, and, and to get back at Putin, Sununu is, is pulling all Russian vodka from the shelves in New Hampshire state liquor stores. So I'm, sh- I'm sure that will go a long way to turning the tides. And Putin is shaking in his boots right now and not selling uh, Popov vodka in plastic bottles in New yeah. Hampshire. I don't think that, I mean, that's, I think in the Stoli article, it's like 1% or 10%, some small percentage of vodka is Russian vodka. So anyway. The, um, so cancel culture is the pressure to stop watching, listening, or employing a person because they don't fit the forms of now, right? And part of what we're going to talk about now is how do you justify canceling for someone, for someone, for something they did 10, 20, 30 years ago, maybe when they were in their early 20s and now in their 70s. They were in their, they're in the mid, late 20s and they were in their teens, right? Like it's easy to say, well, this is the, this is what I think now. Let's look back historically and find someone who said something that wasn't politically correct 20 years ago. And so we've seen people get caught up in that, um, that cancel culture for, for something that, you know, they, they've hopefully grown past that. Maybe they haven't. Um, but it's, it's more important to understand what they're doing today before canceling today, because canceling can have real economic impact. Right. And, And people that are canceled typically are not like you and me. Right. Right. Unless this podcast really takes off, you know, and, and then we're able to make a living from it, then maybe we can get canceled. But 
yeah, you can't cancel someone who's not in the public, who's not a public figure, right? And so by can't by canceling a public figure, you're directly impacting their livelihood potentially. Well, That's but is it make a living? Well, so so think about that. So actually, wouldn't bullying be a form of canceling? Like in the grave in the graveyard in the in the play yard, if a child tells everyone else that the kid has cooties, mm-hmm. isn't that cancel culture? Isn't he canceling that boy or girl canceling other child from the play group? Yeah, that 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 seems like it could fit. If by saying that a kid had cooties, then no one else wants to talk to that person. Right. So it's basically cancel culture, the continuation of cooties. <laughs> it's the it's the celebrity version of cooties. It is, but 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 I think it's I think it's basically justified bullying. Like I had not thought about that until we just had this conversation. But I think I think you can legitimately say it is it is bullying. Um, now you can certainly stop seeing a person's movies, or stop buying their music, or stop looking at pictures of them, or you know, unfollow them on social media. Like you can make choices. But the the attacks that happen is bullying, and then actually one of the people we're going to talk about um, was not totally canceled, but certainly partially canceled because of bullying. Right, and and I think the people doing the canceling think that they are getting back at a bully somehow, but I don't think that's always the case. Well, but that, uh, but you but they didn't bully you or me. They're not getting back at like it's not like the person is bullying like. The, 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 we're going to talk about the leaders, um, Chrissy Teigen. Right. Right. Her bullying in 2010 of someone else. And she said some nasty things, right? Um, but she didn't bully me. Right. Exactly. Well, and, and the, the other thing I, I was going to say is I think, you know, at the start, earlier you mentioned that, you know, a lot of times People are being canceled for things that happened 20, 30 years ago. But I, the other thing that I see happening is people getting canceled by people who haven't even taken the time to listen to what the person they're canceling is saying. Right. Because if they did, in some of these examples that we'll talk about, either they entirely missed the point or they didn't listen at all because they're canceling someone for the wrong reasons. Well, they're hopping on, right. They're hopping on the bandwagon. They're hopping into the herd. Totally. Yes. Right. The cootie herd. They're stampeding yes. the celebrity who they believe as cooties. Yeah, they, they are. It's cooties. And you did mention this earlier, but it's so glad to mention again is what am I rocking right now? Uh, you're rocking the new Bigfoot Logic t-shirts, which you can get in our Etsy shop, Bigfoot Logic, all one word. Um, we also have mugs available. and I'm showing it like uh, anyone can see it on the podcast, but there's mugs. <laughs> it says, I want to believe. And... Uh, to be clear, we're not making money off of this. We're, we priced it as close to breaking even as possible. I think we make about 25 per, cents per uh, item that we sell. Um, we do? We're just doing it to spread the word. What the heck? Yeah. Um, I, I, owe you, I owe you like 13 cents. Okay, 13 cents. Perfect. All right, so back to the topic. So we started talking about this topic when um, the whole conversation, when, when Neil Young and then... Um, Joni Mitchell decided to to pull their music from Spotify in protest of of um, Seth not Seth Joe Rogan's podcast. I don't know if Joe, I don't know if Seth Rogan has a podcast, but he didn't get he wasn't getting attacked for this. So Joe Rogan has a podcast, um, and I wrote this really clever lead, but we're not using it because we didn't leave with it. But I said the pressure to stop. Uh, let's see, let's see. Oh, I cut it out. Never mind. I was making a play on Big Yellow Taxi and some lyric from Neil Young. 
But anyway, so Neil Young has label pull his music from Spotify because Rogan's podcast, only, which is only available on Spotify, was spreading misinformation about COVID. Um, from where I sit, he's, he's, he can pull his music from wherever he wants. Right. So Joni Mitchell did as well. And then one of the members of Bruce Springsteen's band did. And I, I don't know if others did. Young tries to claim, is claiming it's not about free speech. He's just saying that I don't agree with them having Joe Rogan's podcast. So I am not going to have my music there. Right. And, and this, well, this is an example of, of two things I think we're going to talk about. Um, one, like I mentioned earlier, I, I would really doubt that Neil Young has listened to Joe Rogan's podcast. I believe he's probably skimmed the headlines and gotten an impression because we've, we've mentioned the podcast before and, and neither of us are, you know, big Rogan fans, but the podcast in question that, that is getting Rogan potentially canceled, or at least people are trying to cancel him, um, is the episode where he has Dr. Robert Malone on, who has nine patents related to the delivery of mRNA vaccines. And if you listen to the man speak, it's not, he's, he's very careful about what he says. He's not spreading misinformation. Well, but I thought it was a different, I, I thought it was another podcast where the guy said, Jim, your stats wrong. And then he goes, I do. And he pulled them up and saw he had them wrong. And I, I think he admitted he had it wrong. He goes, oh, I had not seen this stat. I've been using other information. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality of stats is stats can be made to say anything. And if you go back to our, you know, you don't know what's in your anything podcast and trust the science, we have to trust the scientists, right? The, go ahead. No, I, I was agreeing with you and, and statistics change and data changes based on the source and where that, where that data is coming from, whether it's just who's funding the study and what the interests are of the organization or entity that's funding that study. Yeah. So what we're talking about today is cancel culture a Bigfoot that's looking to influence you to change how you buy, shop, listen, enjoy entertainment, basically. Although I guess some politicians have been canceled too. So just to get some facts. So, so Young has about 6 million streams on Spotify, right? Not a lot of cash based on what Spotify pays artists, um, but it's nothing to sneeze at, right? So 6 million people a month listen to his music. Well, used to use, listen to his music on Spotify. Um, I will say Spotify does pay artists fractional pennies for every stream. So you can actually, an artist can make more money selling five t-shirts than they can make from 50,000 streams on Spotify. Interesting. Yeah. Do you know roughly like what, what monetarily that would be to Neil Young, those 6 million streams? Well, this is, I don't know. Yeah, I can do the math. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, um, it's nothing to sneeze at. Like I'm sure it's you know, it's money, right? It's money that's based on his catalog that's been out forever, right? And he is an icon, right? He's he's um, for young though. It's about the principle. It's not about the money, right? I mean, he just sold half his catalog last year for 150 million dollars. So the Spotify streams aren't anything for him. Um, and he's voiced his campaign. His his he's voiced his opinion. Other things like he actually came out and said in January 21 that he had empathy for the capital attackers stating we're not enemies. He blamed Trump and social media manipulation for causing people to riot. Um, I would agree with that. I would agree, especially with social media's role in that. Um, I think Trump certainly had a role, but I mean, a big role. Social media amplified and applied Bigfoot logic and people had followed the herd to DC. Some people followed the herd to DC. Um, he said, what else did he say? He said, I was shocked to see the Confederate flag being waved inside the chamber 
the destruction, disrespect, but mostly I felt bad for the people. With social media, issues are turned into psychological weapons and used to gather hatred in support of one side or the other. That is what Donald J. Trump has as his legacy. And I think that's a very fair statement. I mean, taking the Trump part out of it, that people are weaponizing words because on social media, because, and, and other people aren't looking at that, because again, they're going to cut through your logical centers, go to your emotional centers, get you riled up and get you to an action that you might be, and I bet you half the capital city writers next day went like, oh, I should have done that. <laughs> Maybe not the next day, but the next week when their photos started getting yeah. posted and their employers started uh, calling them into the HR office. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But he, uh, said, but he was calling out the lies as Bigfoot, like as Bigfoot logic. People are being misinformed, right? The people believed and used to justify, used to justify the riots. The information wasn't true. Young got that right. What was spread right. on social yeah. media was not right. Yeah, and I think Young has a history of, you know, mostly just and righteous causes standing up for them. I mean, all the way back into the 70s, what was the song? Southern Man was about racism and yeah. um, false sense of Southern pride, right? Like, I've seen him in concert a couple times. He's a great, he's a great musician. But in this case, I think he's kind of almost it's almost ironic, right? Like someone who's, who's calling out the rioters as, you know, saying he feels bad for them because they've been fed misinformation. And then it seems like he's making this stand that I don't think is based on. Well, and Rogan's podcast are like three hours long. Like it's, it's, it, it's debate, it's conversation and you can make what you want of it. It's like, you know, you can decide that Rogan's wrong. You can say all of his guests are wrong, but it's not, I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm not a, like I've, I've listened to one Seth, Seth. I keep saying Seth, one Joe Rogan podcast, and um, that was the only one I listened to because we were pre prepping for this podcast. Right. Um, so Pew Research, which is one of the best independent research firms in the world, had a study, and we'll provide links to all these from May of last year. Americans in cancel culture and cancel culture: what some see calls for accountability, others see censorship and punishment. Right. So it's. Um, and when you read this, you'll see I got my pun from here. They said, who's heard of cancel culture? But they didn't do the H-E-R-D. Um, uh, they missed an opportunity there. Yeah, they did. And there's some, so there are some uh, charts we'll include. But basically, everyone's aware of half, of half of Americans have heard of cancel culture. And the reality, I think, is everyone has probably been influenced by cancel culture, whether they've heard the term. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and it, it's pretty evenly split between Republicans and Democrats, men and women, among age groups. It's it's not a phenomenon that is that is it's not a tactic that is leveraged by the right or the left. It's a tactic that's leveraged by everyone. Like everyone's culpable in this. Right. And one of the things the study asked the the survey respondents is like, how would you define it? And and the most common answer, which was given by about 49% of the people was actions to hold others accountable. Um, so back to what we were saying earlier, you know, there is this sort of sense of righteousness about it, but whether it's always truly righteous or not, or justified, I think that's the question. And that's where big the logic comes into play. Yeah, so there's some interesting quotes, and we'll put a link to the article, and I think we're going to have some, some charts, too. Again, these are, this is information from Pew Research. Um, a woman 
In her 30s, a liberal Democrat said cancel culture is a movement to remove celebrity status or esteem from a person, place, or thing based on offensive behavior or transgression. Uh, a woman in her 50s, another moderate Demo Democrat, said cancel culture, a method of withdrawing support from public figures and companies, it can also be considered it can also be considered to be used as a form of online shaming on social media platforms, right? Um, and then a conservative Republican man, 50s, cancel culture is trying to silence someone that does not have the same belief as you. Basically, it's taking away their First Amendment rights. It violates affected people's civil rights. So we, we, we talked about this earlier. I think we're going to do an episode on how people misinterpret the, the, um, the amendments and what your civil rights actually are. Um, another person, a moderate, no partisan leanings in the 70s said, cancel culture means you're rewriting history and stopping the acknowledgement of facts because they're offensive to a racial, religious, ethnic, economic group, etc. It's the rewriting of history to make people comfortable by ignoring facts, things that really happen that are bad. Yeah, and one of the interesting things to the article, which we'll, we'll let you read on your own, is it has this sort of point-counterpoint format where um, they will compare and contrast the quote from someone who thinks counterculture is holding someone accountable and someone from who, who thinks it's more punishment. Um, and it's interesting to see both of those viewpoints because a lot of times reading those, I can I can see both points of views. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll put a link to that. It's a really good... It's a really, really good um, article to read just to understand how people view it. Um, but, you know, we're not trying to say that cancel culture is new, right? Cancel culture has existed for much of human history, right? Um, but the internet and social media has changed how, when, and where these kind of interactions occur. Um, and I would say that they also take things that happen that are not local and get people to react to it from wherever they are. Right. Like cancel culture, go back to the, the cooties example on the playground. That was a local, you know, example of what you know, could be called cancel culture. But um, because social media, it's never been easier to summon groups. I'm sorry, because of so, yeah, social media, it's never been easier to summon groups to join the public fray. Right. But we see a lot of big foot logic at play and in terms of when and how it's applied. Right. So, I mean, you could say, you could argue that. The Salem witch trials, trials were, were cancel culture. There was someone who they thought was a little odd or maybe did something to someone else and people rallied around it and they were a witch. Right. That, that's an extreme cancellation. Right. Um, it's a, yes, it's a complete yeah, cancellation. The, the other thing, I mean, I think the part of the reason it makes it, the social media era makes it easier is because you're that much more removed from the humanity of it. Right. Like it's very easy to, to, to block someone on social media, unfollow them and not listen, not ever hear from them again. Um, you know, if you go back, you know, years ago, it's harder to ignore someone when you see them, you run into them in the store on a daily basis, or, um, you know, you see the pain in their eyes when right. you say they have cooties or, uh, you know, whatever horror horrific things they were doing, the witches in Salem placing boulders on their chest or whatever. And put them um, in a river. Yeah. So the the one thing that sort of started looking at how this applies and how it applies differently, and I think we might disagree a little bit on this, but um, so recently on, so The View, right? The View is a, a syndicated talk show that runs on ABC. So Whoopi Goldberg, and I 
gotta admit I'm a big Whoopi fan, was recently suspended because she said that she didn't believe that the Holocaust was racial. Because she sees, because Jewish people are, the color of their skin is white. Um, and she didn't see that prejudice applied to, she was only thinking of it in terms of skin color, not any other ethnic difference or a difference that could be applied to a group of people. Right. So she apologized. Um, but basically she said, so it wasn't actually motivated basically because she sees Jewish people as white. She didn't say it wasn't horrific or devastating. She just sees things. She was viewing it from that lens. Um, doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's, it definitely doesn't mean it's right. I just, I thought it was interesting that she was not, that she was suspended for two weeks because she said that. But in 2017, her co-host, Joy Bahar, um, came under fire because she, an old photo came up when she was wearing blackface. Right. And she tried to, her excuse was she was honoring black women when she went to a Halloween party as a beautiful black woman. So, wait, went to a Halloween party in a costume. Um, any other arguments on the show? So, even, even on the show, like, so I guess Raven Simone was a co host then. And she called her out saying, wait, but you, you mean you wore blackface? Right. And the network did nothing. Like she, she had no suspension for it. Now, I'm not saying she should have been canceled because it happened 25 years ago. But, right. it's, but it, yeah, it happened in the 70s. The photo was from the 1970s when Behar was 29. So that, I mean, that's an example of what we we're talking about at the start. Like, really, can you hold people accountable for something that happened 40 something years ago? Well, but um, so I think so. She was certainly called out, right? But and recently. Apparently, I mean, again, I don't know this woman. I've never met her. I don't really watch The View unless someone calls attention to it. But I guess a former co-host, Megan McCain, um, posted something on Valentine's Day and uh, people wrote about this, right? She said, happy Valentine's Day to, I guess, her husband. I love you and I'm grateful every day for the life we have together. In response to her post, a Twitter user said, does every thought and sentiment need to be on Twitter? In which Bahar wrote, Apparently. So it's apparently nasty. It's probably kind of, it, it probably, the intent was probably nasty. Did she say something horrible about the king? No. But, you know, she's, she's a delight. She really does seem like a delight. But what's interesting to me is like there were multiple news articles about this one word uh, reply to a reply on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Uh, is that really what, you know, is that where society is? That, that we care that much. <laughs> we care that much about a one-word tweet reply from a seventy-something-year-old woman that it needs to be in multiple news publications. Yeah, that's fair. What I think it's interesting too is that in a similar article, a different article, it said that Bahar said, "I apologize to keep my job. I apologize. I don't mean it, just to keep my job." At least she's being honest. Yeah. You know? At least she's being honest in her fake apologies. <laughs> so. So well, one of the one of the interesting things I think on uh, uh, from one of the articles on it was actually the Whoopi Goldberg articles, but there was a a quote from Jonathan Greenblatt, who's president of the Anti Defamation League, and he said he doesn't believe in counterculture. Um, Cancel culture. I like, yeah, uh, and he. 
the quote continues, I like the phrase that my friend Nick Cannon uses. We need council culture. We shouldn't cancel Whoopi Goldberg because we made, because she made a mistake. And I think that, I think some of the examples that we'll talk about, some of these people legitimately did things that were, you know, not sensitive uh, and or offensive, but a lot of times it's people who are a little bit older and out of touch, no offense to Whoopi Goldberg, who maybe don't, aren't thinking through the changing rules of political correctness, or they have their own opinion and they haven't considered how that may be right or wrong. And maybe they need to be informed and educated rather than punished and canceled. Well, if, if, especially if they don't mean, like, I don't think Whoopi meant anything bad by what she said it was it was not it it was unsensitive for sure it was um you know she probably regretted the words as soon as they came out of her mouth well i think she Um, probably regretted when there's reaction because i think she i mean she believes she believed that it was because all everyone was white it wasn't it wasn't a racial discrimination she wasn't viewing the, the way she was her filter for race is color skin as opposed to any other factor right um, and that, that's likely based on personal experiences right? correct that's 100 experienced correct um so the one of the people that is that is frequent in the news and frequent in the news for a variety of things some which are mystifying some of them are horrifying um is alec baldwin and he's been a very vocal critic of cancel culture at least when it applies to people he knows and supports so he tweeted, cancel culture is like a forest fire in constant need of fuel, which is true, right? It, there's always going to be the next person, right? The, the news has to roll on. Um, functioning objectively, no prejudice, just code, just destroy the deserving and the undeserving alike, right? So that's from de- that's a quote from Deadline. Um, he's defended former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. He's defended, defended Woody Allen. And of course, he's defended his wife who was famously called out for telling people she was Spanish, but actually no, not at all. Um, you know, he certainly has his own troubles today and he doesn't seem to be doing himself any favors with that, but he's remains employable. Well, yeah. I mean, you can kind of understand why that guy's standing up against cancel culture because he's done many things that, uh, could potentially lead to cancellation or, well, in this environment. And, but, and I guess my point here, my point is, why does it apply to some people and not others, right? So why wasn't Joy Bahar canceled for two weeks, right? Like, why didn't, why didn't the net, maybe network said it was 25 years ago, right? Why hasn't um, Alec Baldwin been canceled for all the things he's done and said, you know, back from way back when and the leaked voicemail message to his daughter? And maybe cancel culture didn't really exist then, but, you know, there's, he continues to do things and say things that if someone else said, they would likely be canceled. Right. So why, so my question is, why is it not applied to him? I'm not saying he should be canceled. I think he's a very funny man. Um, but I don't understand why it's being applied to some people and not others. Well, I, I think, well, a couple of possibilities. I, I know that was a hypothetical question, but I'll take a stab at a couple sure. ideas anyway. Bring it. Um, I, I think I think one of it is it comes down to like one of our themes is follow the money, right? And a lot as some of these examples, it, it comes down to the money. Like, is Neil Young who hasn't put out an album in who knows how long, um, 
you know, in his seventies, is he really going to can't be effective in canceling Joe Rogan, who has the most listened to podcast ever yeah. um, and makes Spotify a Wait, ton of money? It's not this podcast. Um, <laughs> not yet. No. Not yet. We're working on it. Uh, but I, I also wonder if part of it is like an age thing, like, you know, the younger folks tend to be more active on social media. Um, and so therefore it would seem like cancel culture maybe is being led more by younger folks. And again, that's a hypothesis. I'm not, um, and some of these people that we're talking about who haven't been canceled are kind of over the hillish type celebrities. Like, you know, if you're a millennial, do you care about Joy Behar or uh, Alec Baldwin? Well, I don't think it's even millennials anymore. What's the group behind them? Yeah, uh, yeah I don't even I mean, millennials are getting close to 30, the youngest ones. Well, but so, so again, this is, and, and you and I had this conversation, um, Democratic strategist um, James Carvel, 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 recently cursed out unvaccinated individuals on his podcast saying that anyone without a vaccine was a piece of shit. He wanted to punch them in the face. Okay. So, um, and he, I guess it was response to a question about why Biden wouldn't pass a bill that bars unvaccinated citizens from interstate, interstate travel. And, you know, yes, I know that's his persona, but if a Republican had said the same thing, they would be tarred and feathered. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. Uh, my my point, my which we were talking about offline, was, you know, that's his persona, and he's he he seems to play that card as a way to get in the news. You know, he's talking about democratic races, and he's saying, you know, they were always going to lose these races, but Democrats keep doing this stupid shit, bitching about a a demo. Can we swear on this podcast? I might have to edit that. I don't out. think children listen. Okay, I don't think anyone is listening yet. Who knows? But, Bitching about a Democratic senator senator in West Virginia is is missing the damn plot. So, like, he's making a point and he's using curse words to do it because that's his personality, and not many people in politics do that. So that's that's his play. But I I don't disagree that if it was someone else affiliated with a different party, the reaction might have been a lot different. Well, the difference is the well. So look, Rush Limbaugh has said things that are probably similar. Um, and he certainly had his moment where he was taken out to the woodshed, but the, there really is only one conservative broadcast media and that's what Fox, the rest are fairly liberal. I used to watch CNN cause I thought they were balanced. And then I, I stopped cause I real, I just realized they're not balanced, but anyway, so the, the big question we have is who decides who's canceled and when, right? In large party, the herd does, right? Whether that herd gathers and stampedes on platforms like Facebook or Instagram or on news sites, it starts to move slowly at first, and then with gathering momentum, takes takes charge, right? And when the dust settles, someone's been trampled, right? That's a big deal, especially when you're just when you're not doing it in an informed way, like you're not joining the stampede because you understand or appreciate the issue. You're doing it because you saw it on Twitter and it was fun to like. Right. Oh, and sometimes it's understand or, or, or are aware of the issues. And sometimes it's, have you even listened to what the person is saying? Um, right. And, you know, we talked about Rogan as an example. I think the other example of that is Dave Chappelle. Um, yeah. He has made jokes. I mean, he, he's a comedian. He makes jokes about 
everybody, every race, gender, sexual orientation, right? Um, but he was recently, you know, they attempted to cancel him for the last episode of his Netflix special, The Closer, um, which if you listen to the, if you listen to what he's saying, um, yes, he's making jokes about trans people, but he's very, there's a point behind why he's making jokes and they're not mean spirited. And in fact, he tells a very heartwarming story at the end about one of his friends who was trans and was bullied by the trans community because she was a fan of Chappelle and ended up committing suicide and Chappelle did all these things to help her. So like how you can listen to something like that and still think that this man is transphobic and needs to be canceled. I I don't understand. Well, it was, Um, I mean, and what comedians often say, and Jerry Seinfeld said this and, and it's what Joy Bahar says. I'm a comedian, right? Because she made the comment, at um, when the first gay, publicly gay NFL player came out, she made a joke about end zone penetration. And a lot of people were sort of shocked because, so she made a joke that was a um, clearly a reference to his sexuality um, and nothing happened. Right. But Chappelle right. who made a joke, and you can argue whether the joke was funny or was real or hurtful or whatever. It was the, the response is I'm a comedian, right? Like Kevin Hart did not apologize. I think he eventually did, but initially did not apologize for some, some jokes he had that um, from ho- he lost the um, hosting the Oscars a couple of years ago, right? Because he made some jokes because he was a comedian, right? Has anyone ever watched watch Ricky Gervais's? Um, when he hosts the, uh, what's the one that's the Golden Globes? Like he's he roasts everybody. Right. That's what comedians do. That's what they do. Um, but that that that's what we uh, that was one of our points earlier is you know, yeah, Kevin Hart can probably afford the hit of not getting paid to host the Oscars, but it's still affecting his, you know, his finances. Sure. His I mean, it's a couple million right? bucks to host the. I mean, he's, yeah. he's doing well. But. So the Atlantic recently published a very interesting story about what college students think about cancel culture. And I will say that while we've talked a lot about celebrities, there's been a lot of cancel culture applied to college professors, um, especially in terms of what they teach and, and don't teach in the classroom and the things they use as examples. Um, and I think that goes back to the person whose quote we read that said it's about rewriting history. Um, you know, you will repeat history unless you remember what happened and why it was good or bad, right? right? You have to acknowledge that we're an imperfect people, that mistakes will be made, they'll continue to be made, and then the best we can do is learn from them and move on. Right, so the Atlantic, in this article, I'm going to post a link to it. Um, Though self-censorship is a problem in academia, more than 80% of college kids say that they self-censor at least some of the time, according to one study. Not all students agree with the adults who are catastrophizing I wouldn't call this speech suppression, says Matt, Matthew Merrick, a white student at the University of Michigan who describes his politics as issues-based. I don't think there's a deliberate wave of average liberal organizations trying to suppress conservative voices. Instead, he told me, and this is he told the reporter, I think it's a question of open minds. The biggest problem is preconceived notions. Unlike pundits, I'm going to quote in the article, students like Metric actually spend their days on campus and have a nuanced understanding of what's driving self-censorship and how to fix it. They become part of a grassroots civil 
grassroots civil dialogue movement that creates a new kind of safe space, one that invites students from across the political spectrum to discuss controversial issues, including policing, gender identity, and free speech itself. These spaces are not about First Amendment absolutism, but rather they aim to remove the anxieties of so-called cancel culture while still holding a commitment to equity and inclusion. Like, that's brilliant. Like, be a, what, what's basically saying is listen to everyone, form your opinions, adjust yours if you need to, based on what you've heard. But it's really saying that as a free thinker, one has to be willing to be considered wrong rather than thinking is flawed. Otherwise, you're not a free thinker. Like you have to take the, the you have to take the risk that your thinking is wrong, and you have to be willing to listen to others and say, mm, "I didn't really see that way. I should have." Right. Uh, uh, one thing that's interesting about that is, you know, that I think that's a, it's very encouraging, and it, it's great to hear people saying that. Um, I wish that that were more the case. I think in college campuses, it's so much easier to facilitate that sort of face-to-face discussion and hearing other points of views because you're, you know, you're physically with people. I think the problem is when it's on, everything's on social media and you don't have that, you're just reading the, you know, the headlines or the the tweets or the memes. And yeah, things sound, things sound bad when you read it that way, but a lot of times that's not the intent. Um, And if, if you were able to engage in dialogue as you would on a college campus, yeah. um, maybe you would have a more open mind and be more open to other viewpoints. I think it's brilliant. So back to the herd mentality. So the list of celebrities that have been canceled is a mile long, right? And I'm not going to judge any of them. Like that's not our, that's, you know, you make your own decisions on whose movies you go to and whose books you read. That's up to you. Uh, if you like the person, if you like their, how they write, buy their book. If you don't, don't, right? Um, I don't know any of them. I don't know the facts, all the facts. And honestly, if they made a movie or TV show again, it doesn't matter to me, right? I do know that our current culture puts celebrities on a pedestal where they can easily believe that the world moves to their whims. For many, it does, right? Like the, you know, the, if you look at the writers of some of these celebrities when they go do a concert, the things they require are very specific and entitled. But, right. but, but only the red M&Ms, things right. like that. But, they, but that's okay. I mean, if people do it, then they can do it. Like if, if they say, I want green M&Ms, and then the person gives them green M&Ms, okay, that's fine, right? Um, there was certainly, and so movements like Me Too, which is specific to, at least initially, was specific to people who had been, to women who had been, um, uh, harassed in the workplace, right? That it affected their workplace, whether they were actors or actresses and, and it was Charlie Weinstein or whether it was um, in the workplace itself in corporate and in, in corporate America. Um, but so people's work was, was um, impacted because of something they did, right? They couldn't succeed. They couldn't get a promotion. They were harassed. They were asked to do things they should never have been asked to do. Um, the, the to go back to um Chrissy Teigen and we talked about her earlier. So we talked about the historical issue. So she wrote some nasty things on Twitter a decade ago, right? Those those tweets had been out there for a decade. It was in 2011, right? She cyberbullied a TV personality, Courtney Stodden, who, who was just 16 at the time, because she'd married a 50 year old, 
right? So I guess in um, they got divorced in 2020, and she or someone pointed to the Tegan's tweets again from 10 years before, right? And the tweets were terrible. But what is interesting to me is that Tegan lost a whole bunch of commercial relationships for her cooking line. I didn't even she had a cooking line. Like Target, Macy's all dropped them. They didn't drop them when she made those tweets. Um, and maybe they didn't look. Maybe they didn't know. But they dropped her. They dropped her cooking line a decade later because of what had happened. And I'm not going to say that what she said was ever the norm, was ever nice, right? Or was ever yeah, acceptable. Whoa. What she said was awful, but it gets to the point, one of the points we started with, like you're canceling people for things that happened in this case a decade ago. Um, yeah. How much money did she make off target in the meantime, but also what, why 10 years, 10 years have gone by. Yeah. You've already made a lot of money on her. You know, if you really wanted to so yeah, cancel a line and then donate any profits you made from the line to anti-bullying programs, there's plenty of them. Right. Right. So back to Bahar, we kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier. I sort of jumped the gun, but who still has her job and never been suspended from the view. She made the joke. Let's see. So in medium, uh, Joy Bahar's homophobic joke was not okay. On their June 22nd broadcast, the Hukos were discussing the outpouring support for Carl Nassib of the Los Angeles Raiders, who became the first active NFL player to publicly come out as gay. Although the entire panel, including Bahar herself, expressed solidarity with them. Nassib, there came a moment when Bahar, containing a premeditated glint of ambish glee in her eyes, and this is, I'm reading the article, um, uh, quipped to co-host Anna Navarro, you know Anna, after they said penetration, after they said penetration in zone, they lost me. So, you know, this is where Bahar admits that she apologizes later, even if she's a mean to save her job. You know, she's reflected that on 23 years on the ABC daytime program, ahead of its 20th season, 25th season, she's gotten in trouble a few times. I've had to apologize, which I'm happy to do in order to save mine and everyone else's jobs. I don't care. Even if I don't mean it, I'll do it. Even if I look like I'm at a hostage takeover, I'll still do it because if you don't do it, you lose your job and everybody else's. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of Behar at all. It, it sounds like I'm sticking up for her. But, um, you know, one of, back to the quote from the the. Greenblatt, the Anti-Defamation League president. Yeah. This just reminds me of like, we all have that relative who, or at least I have that relative or relatives who makes inappropriate jokes at Thanksgiving or yeah. Christmas or, you know, they're out of touch. They don't No, you can't use that word to describe those people, you know, that sort of thing. And like, Bayer's in her seventies. Like, you know, how much of it is she's just out of touch and like, but she's know, still, she still, she didn't, she might be out of touch, but she's still on uh, a nationally syndicated TV show, sure. right? So ABC should say, wait a minute, you know what? You're out of touch. You should be gone. Or you should undergo some counseling. Something, right? But yeah. it's, but, 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 but again, the point yeah. is who gets canceled, who doesn't, right? So she still remains uncanceled. Chrissy Teigen. Canceled and un- uncanceled. 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 She's canceled, not yes. apologizing. Correct. Or, she, or she's apologizing and she doesn't mean it. Um, but Teigen apologized, tried to meet with the people she offended, the person she offended, Still lost product placements. Bahar says mean things all the time, keeps her job. It's Bigfoot logic. Yeah. Like ABC is not taking a stand, took a stand on Whoopi, but didn't take a stand on Bahar just being a comedian. Right. 
Well, the, you started talking about Me Too before. I think uh, the next example is, is a good example because the Me Too movement was was you know a well very well intentioned meeting uh, movement. You know, harassment has no place in the workplace. It is a it is a real problem. But I think um, Aziz Ansari got got canceled or at least attempted to be canceled um, based on something that was not even directly related. Would you like to the workplace? Yeah, so he was, so there was an article, an anonymous article written by a very young reporter that um, someone went on a date with him and she had consensual sex, but it was, but regretted it. Basically, it was the worst experience of her life, her sexual experience of her life. And it became a story, this reporter named um, Katie Way. And he, he was, and he was vilified, right? And, and a lot of people actually took, actually, I will say a lot of people came to his defense saying, wait a minute, this isn't me too. And, and people actually called out the reporter for trying to wrap this into me too. You know, to me, this is the reporter taking, trying to tap into a story that, um, tap into a movement and write a story that fit when it didn't. I mean, if he actually raped her, that's a very different story, but it wasn't, Me Too was about the work, workplace, is my understanding. Right. Yeah, and, and that article originated on the on the prestigious and highly credible website, babe.net. Yes, so she published, um, let's see, called babe, perhaps best remembered for being poorly reported, right? So there was no fact-checking. And who, who would have thought that a website called babe.net would have poor reporting? Yeah. So 22-year-old at the time, Katie Way, name and byline on it. After she, so she landed the job, let's see. Uh, so she, she, after this, after this story ran on babe.net, um, she, the, oh yeah, the, the, the fact-checking um, editor at, uh, the person guiding her was 25. So she was 22 when she wrote the article, and the person that actually fact-checked it or actually gave her counsel, I guess, was 25. So very young, right? Very in the, the Me Too moment. I'm not sorry. In the Publish Now, right? Like not a lot of journalist credibility. Right? So I guess after, after the story broke, um, she went to work at Cannabis Now and just got a job at Vice, Right. So um, and, and apparently she was called out, too, because people said, I guess the woman took her story to a lot of different places and no one would run it because she was anonymous. And because, mm. I mean, basically she was basically saying she had a bad sexual experience. Um, right. She admitted it was consensual. She did feel pressured. Um, and I'm not saying I know the facts of what happened. and didn't happen, um, but it really impacted his career. Right. When you, yeah, that's a slippery, well, it's beyond a slippery slope when a consensual sexual encounter not only becomes public, but then has an impact on your career because, uh, you know, it didn't go the way you wanted it afterwards. Right. Exactly. Um, the, and if she was pressured, she shouldn't have been right. And that's a very different story, yeah, but it wasn't exactly. me too. Um, so you can go read, so the, the, the babe.net site is defunct, right? A very amusing article from the cut. It might be enough. You might not want to check that out on a work computer. You probably don't. No. Different site, but no. Yeah. So the, the cut 
wraps it up, wraps up demise. But you have to wonder when reading why Grace went to it with her claims because no one else would take it. So this Katie Way, and I'm going to put a link to her LinkedIn page. Um, you have to read some of her recent stories to judge for yourself her journalistic style. Right? From what I can read, and please read these stories for yourself, she is um, tends to be more of an opinion-based reporter than a fact-based reporter. Right, which is a lot of news today. It's you know, it's 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 supposed to show an edge, right? And whether that edge is her true edge or it's just the edge she has to have because it's all about how many eyeballs there are, right? right. Um, some of these stories are about important issues she's writing about. The site facts that could have been left to the reader to make their own solution. Instead, she's she posted one recently. In short, she said, "Happy Black History Month." When the parasites that got rid off the back got rich off the backs of black people, both in and outside of thousands of jails, prisons, immigration detention centers, and other um, facilities in the U.S., warmest regards. So it was a wow. story about um, companies that that um, send care packages to prisoners, right? And you can, you, I mean, I can see how, yes, they're making money off this, Um but it was just a really, again, she's taking something. You could take a story about this company, and I think they, so they, I guess they sent out a promo saying, hey, it's Black History Month, make sure your relatives, you can send something. Um, I'm sure they are like every Hallmark type of company. I'm not saying this is Hallmark. Um, they say, now it's Easter, now it's Mother's Day, now it's Grandparents' Day, now it's Independence Day. Like they use everything to say, hey, send something. Um, but she chose to write a story and take it. This, this company might be terrible. It might be fantastic. I don't know. Um, but she certainly took it, took an opinion on it and then tried to well, wrap it into something else, just like she did with this Grace story. And, and I don't, that's something that's come up in one or two of our previous episodes. And I don't know if it's, it's something that's worthy of an episode uh, on its own or whether it's just a recurring theme, but in the old days of journalism, there was a distinct delineation between editorial, which is where opinions are expressed, and a news reporting, which is intended to be not, which at least until recently was intended to be non-biased and, and factual. Right. Um, and we're seeing more and more of those lines are blurred, even in, even in traditional news publications where they used to do that, and even more so in you know, these up-and-coming publications like, like Babe.net. Babe.net. So, um, there's a New York Times story that we're going to again put a link to, and you can only read so many per day. So you have to pick a day when you have other New York Times stories. That's called the long and tortured history of cancel culture. Right? It writes cancel culture that is already is a, is already to express a point of view implicitly implicit. I can't talk today. Implicitly negative. Although cancel culture is not a movement, it has neither leaders nor members. And those who take part in it do so erratically, maybe only once, and share no coherent ideology. It's persistent, persistently attributed to the extremes of political left and a fear-mongering specter of wokeness, itself a fright, freighted term, originally derived and then distorted from the black vernacular woke, which invokes a spirit of vigilance to see the world as it really is. Right. So the experimentalist novelist William Melvin Kelly may have been the first to introduce the term woke um, to a mainstream as an adjective in his 1962 essay on the black idiom. 
if you're woke, you dig it, in which he noted how words change with color, with the color of the people who use them. So yeah, cancellations come as easily from those aligned in thinking to the far right, right? So here's basically saying, and I kind of went all over the place with this one, but it's cancellations come as easily from those on the right, right? Recall how in 2014, a group of video gamers pressured companies under the guise of champion ethics and journalism to withdraw advertising dollars from media outlets that had criticized lack of diversity in the game industry, and at the same time terrorized female gamers and writers with rape and death threats. So the same group that was saying, hey, you got to have more diversity in the workforce, but the same people were cyberbullying female gamers. Well, is that the point or is the point that it's... it's <laughs> I lost the point. So. <laughs> it comes with, the, point, the point is it comes with both sides. Well, the point is it's two. One, it comes with both sides. And two, you also have to look at the authenticity of the person who's doing the bullying or doing the trying to cancel. Right. So they, right. it's when they say one thing and do another. Right. Right. Yeah. In, in that latter example, they were yes. under the guise of championing ethics and journalism, but really they were against uh, diversity in the game industry. Yeah. Right. Um, so the editor also writes the sheer arbitrariness of some of the targets of cancel culture singled out among many who might have committed comparable sins, often neither public figures nor possessors of institutional power, but utterly ordinary people because of their swift simultaneous elevation degrading to infamy leads to a ritualistic distance from the attacks, enabling a casual cruelty as in the American writer Shirley Jackson's infamous short story, The Lottery, written in 1948, when the villagers qualmlessly turn each other, uh, turn on one another of their random, one of their randomly selected own. I cannot read or write today. So apparently she doesn't agree with my Salem witch trial example I used earlier, but I think it's true. I think compared to, back to the article, it says compared to these authoritarian, I can't talk. Can you read this? Because I can't talk. Well, I, I was going to make a couple points on, on that make before points. I read more. Um, so I, I agree with what he what he's saying about the sheer, or he or she, I forget which gender the author is, um, the sheer arbitrariness of the targets of cancel, cancel culture. And that's been one of the things we've been talking about is like some people get canceled and others don't. Um, and the last point about a, uh, the ritualistic distance to the attacks, I think that's kind of what I was trying to get to with the, uh, you know, the social media point that, you know, you have this sort of distance from your targets. You're not seeing them. You're not seeing the look in their eyes. Um, but the one part that I disagree with is, and, and we talked about this earlier, is it mentions that utterly ordinary people can be targets of this. And I don't think that's necessarily the case, at least usually it's, it's people who are public because again, how can you, how can you cancel someone who is not public? But couldn't you cancel someone socially in your local group? Uh, Yes. Isn't that gossiping? And isn't that, I mean, you, you, they're no longer invited to parties. Their children are not no longer I mean, there's, there's lots of ways to do it. It doesn't, you know, people get fired locally because they've done something that never makes the national news. Yeah, good point. Because there was outrage of what they said. Right. It just, it, and yeah, fair. So, um, but what, one of the other things is like when I was reading the, there, one of the articles that we read to prepare was like a list of the 12 celebrities who got canceled in 2021. And I don't even think that was a comprehensive list, but like 
I couldn't believe some of the names on the list. Like people, you know, Alec Baldwin. Okay. Guy's kind of an a-hole. I can see people wanting to cancel him. Um, Aaron Rodgers, same thing. The guy can't win a Super Bowl to save his life. And he's kind of a, what? you know, make your own decision, <laughs> make your own decision. But I, I wouldn't root for the Packers, uh, past the, the conference, the divisional round. Um, but Matt Matt Damon, J.K. Rowling, I mean Justin Timberlake, like, do you really think these people deserve to get canceled? Again, make your own decisions. But the, some of these things are, you know, you're taking people who have contributed a lot to arts, humanities, the good of the world, and you're canceling them because they said something online that you that someone found offensive. Right, and the, you know the the thing is, you're entitled to your opinions, and other people are entitled to say. I disagree, but you can't say that's what opinions are. They're my personal belief. I believe this. You might believe something different and that's okay. That's why that dialogue that they're having on the college campuses is so interesting because it basically is saying, I'm, I can't, I'm not as a person, I can't invalidate your feelings. When you do something wrong, you cancel like all oh, the me too stuff. That was horrible. And you should have been, you should not be, you should not work in the entertainment industry again. Right. If you used your power to manipulate women into sex and, stuff degradation that uh but there are it's okay to have different views it's it's not okay to be intolerant of them right so i think the thing to to wrap up this issue because we've actually touched on a lot of the things we have here we talked about the pew research study which is really interesting it's to me it seems to be driven often but there's often a catalyst right well that catalyst is you know, an influencer on social media or they're a political pundit or they're, um, you know, a person that finds a pithy way to say something and all of a sudden that trends, right? It becomes the meme. Um, right. You know, it's just, I, I just think people need to be careful how and what they say and how they, whether, the, you know, they could inadvertently start something that becomes to someone getting canceled, which was never their intent, right? Just the way things... There is no control over social media. Once some starts to go, you can't stop it. Like I could post something tomorrow about something that wasn't true and it might go viral because people pushed it without ever checking. Yeah. Have you heard of uh, Q? QAnon? Who? What? QAnon? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about yeah. Talking about things going viral that are not true. Right. And 100%. Yeah. So just remember, make your own choices, gather your own facts, before you hit cancel, take the time to learn more about the incident and the people involved because your actions can have real impact. Just make sure it's the impact you intended. Right? And that's that's kind of what we're all about, right? Right. And and maybe maybe there's a place for um, you know, respecting the work of someone without caring about what they say in their personal life or what their political opinions are. There've been a lot of great artists, actors, who are total a-holes in real life. Are on the wrong side of the political watch, spectrum. Yeah, and we still watch their movies today. We still enjoy their art in the wall. Mm-hmm. All, right. All right, well, I think that wraps it up for another episode of Bigfoot Logic. Um, again, tell us if you know any Bigfoots out there we need to explore. We've got a couple good ideas, I think, coming next. Um, but we'll, uh, hopefully there's someone listening. I don't know, maybe. Um, buy, a mer- buy some merch. We'll know. Someone buy some merch then we'll know if there's listeners, I guess. Yeah, buy some merch so we know 
people are listening. <laughs> that's that's our tech. That's our <laughs> our our way we we take care of it. All right, thanks everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of Bigfoot Logic. Please subscribe and like the podcast on your platform of choice, of course, and leave a review if you feel so inclined. Also, let us know if you spot a Bigfoot out there that defies logic that you think we should investigate in a future episode. More information about the topic we discussed today, as well as links to past episodes and some really fine Bigfoot Logic merch, can be found on our website, BigfootLogic.com. Until next time, remember, it's always a good idea to open your mind before opening your mouth.